Hello everybody and welcome back to the Talking Barefoot podcast. My name is Aranya and I'll be your host today. Football is well and truly back. Uh, Serie A is back, La Liga is back. The Bundesliga is more or less wrapped up. Uh, Bayern have won it. Surprise surprise. Anyway, on today's episode we have something very interesting for you. We talk about the man that pioneered the 4-2-3-1 formation in football. All right, uh, we have Mayol with us today. Hello, Mayol. Uh, we talked about Arteta's evolution as a manager and him as Pep's apprentice last week, but unfortunately, we haven't been able to see him convert his philosophy onto the pitch just yet. But for those of you who don't know, there is a new man at Manchester City to replace Mikel Arteta, and his name is Juan Mal Leo. Uh, we spoke about Adeta in depth last week, but Leo's name never came up. Uh, Mayol, I'd like to ask you, you know, Man City, of course, would be a very attractive proposition and the club could make a very generous and tempting offer to anyone that uh, Pep would want to have by his side. Yeah, you know, they could have had your Zabi Alonso's, your Zavi's, maybe even company, Vincent company, you know, one would think that company would slot in perfectly next to Pep in that role. So, why why Leo? Yeah, hi Arnak. So, I think uh, there's a reason why we left out the entire uh, Yuan Malio narrative. Because he has such a fascinating story only few people know about. And especially in English football, you know, he's a peripheral figure. Like, people don't even know who he is. And in global, globally also, and uh, especially among Indian fans, he's just an outsider. If I must say. But in Spain, he is venerated. He is regarded as one of the last uh, Spanish revolutionaries. And he has such a, uh, you know, fascinating, such an interesting career, which we will obviously dissect in this episode. When the news was surfacing that, you know, Pep is looking for an assistant manager, I sat down to write an article and I was assessing all these options. Like you said, Alonso, Xavi, Company, all of these uh, players, legends of the game. Who are uh, who were you know linked with City, and I think that is because uh, you know Arteta uh, was the assistant manager, and it was it became a really glamorous position at City, and we've all seen how Arteta has evolved. That you know he is now managing a club of Arsenal stature, which is why I think um, you know these players were getting linked with uh, that assistant manager post. But I think um, you know the City City's club directors, all of them you know had these name shortlisted but Pep only had one name in his mind which was Leo and he has finally arrived at City and obviously it's been very hush hush because uh, you know the season is back and everybody's focusing on games and the Premier League being back and obviously the virus so not many uh, you know tabloids and media houses have actually focused on who this man is where he comes from what is his story so if I talk about Leo's career you would be surprised to know that he uh, Never played professional football, but he became a manager at the age of 16. So he started coaching his hometown club at that age. And um, in the next dozen of years, he would uh, go about managing uh, third division clubs in Spain. He would take one of the third division clubs to the second division. And at the age of 29 was when he took UD Salamancas to the La Liga. And he became the youngest coach ever to coach in the Spanish top flight. 
so uh, obviously a lot of eyes were on him and everybody was astounded how can a young uh, you know brain do so much and achieve so much but then from there i think his career both fell apart and rose like it's it's a very uh, you know paradoxical situation which i think our listeners will get to know once i talk more about him but uh, after that stint at ud salamanca he went on to manage real sociedad real zaragoza but it was at uh, real oviedo i think where uh, the course of football changed forever when barcelona uh, played oviedo and barcelona beat oviedo 4-2 and um, there was a certain pep guardiola playing in barcelona's midfield and even though barcelona won the fans even the barcelona players were stunned at oviedo's performance like oviedo absolutely battered them they dismantled them and uh, guardiola was so stunned that he uh, after the match he went uh, to the opposition dressing room and he he told uh, leo that you know i've heard so much about you and i love your teams can we be friends and leo was so surprised himself that you know one of the he he said that one of the best midfielders in the world is coming and telling me uh, you know can we be friends and how i could not say no and they sat down and discussed tactics for hours and that i think was the start of this ever blossoming friendship and how it has you know taken full circle at city uh, right now that's very interesting um the two seem to go way way back um and of course pep has gone on to become one of the most successful managers ever but from a managerial point of view what does leo provide to pep what's what's so different about him and why would pep be so obstinate to have this man by his side over any of the other guys that we had mentioned now uh, something very fascinating about leo is that he uh like croif and like guardiola now he is uh, you know a devotee of you know you can say total football he does not like the aerial part of the game he wants to play the game on the ground he uh, wants his players to be extremely versatile extremely adaptable they should they should play you know two or three positions they should be extremely fluid and extremely you know pacey and you know they should have that tactical awareness uh, that positional kind of awareness and he was so obsessed with detail i think which you know we see in guardiola's uh, managerial you know career and he was so obsessed with detail that guardiola thought that you know this is somebody i want to look up to and you know learn from him that why is he you know so obsessed with the game and i think guardiola was obsessed with that obsession with leo's obsession which is why he was absolutely you know uh, fascinated by uh, leo and when when they met and when they you know became friends and uh, acquaintances started discussing the game guardiola was determined that you know one day before retiring as a player he will uh, you know play under leo and he fulfilled that uh, dream when he made a very unlikely move uh, in the last phase of his career when he went to mexico to play at uh, dorados under leo and that those 6 months were probably the period where guardiola was inspired that you know i want to be a manager and i want to be uh, you know like leo and i want to you know put his tactics on the pitch and learn so much from him so like the players at dorados they were they like they would stand uh, you know in the corner looking at guardiola as he would take notes whatever leo was saying he would just get his notepad and you know keep scribbling on his paper and trying to learn from him and uh, i think that uh, is the reason you know that friendship that bond and those 
similar philosophies i think is because uh, is why guardiola you know really admires him and he wants him you know by his side and he took that opportunity by bringing him to city with him i think uh, pep must be very grateful for that stint in mexico i guess we can say that that is the birth of the pep guardiola that we know today and like arteta was to pep uh pep seemed to be leo's apprentice and now the whole thing has come full circle and uh, leo's assistant manager at city but uh prior to when you had told me about leo you know when we had discussed this i'd never heard of him before and i'm sure many football fans haven't maybe even city fans themselves you know haven't heard of him uh why why is that leo seems to be a very unique character and quite influential um you know mostly in spain of course but why don't we know about him then Uh, especially in english football why haven't we heard about him i think it's obviously because you know at uh, in football we only judge somebody by the kind of results they produce and uh, you know interestingly uh, leo in his 30 year career he did not win one minor or even major like whatever trophy he did not win he uh, got teams promoted he uh, you know had very successful periods at lower division clubs but in the top flights or at national level or international level he did not win a single trophy so i think which is why you know there is this uh, you know split opinion that whether he was this revolutionary or whether he was you know a fraud like you like in today's times if guardiola wins he's a revolutionary and if he does not win he's a fraud so that kind of thing i think we we judge people so uh, you know so quickly and uh, which is why i think uh, leo was written off and i think one thing was that because he you know managed uh, lower division clubs and you you know we still see that lower division clubs do not have that patience like with somebody like leo you need to give him a lot of uh, you know years a lot of transfer windows a lot of players for him to adapt his philosophy like his his style of play was so complex and so difficult to you know put on on the pitch that lower division clubs just want to survive they just want a string of results they just want to get out of the relegation zone they just want to be they don't uh, you know they can't have somebody you know this utopian kind of football at their clubs like it's impossible for them to even believe that they can have and if you see that with guardiola i mean he was he had a splendid uh, you know stint at the barcelona b team and he was immediately given the uh, barcelona uh, senior team and obviously a lot of fans were excited that you know he's a, he's a legend of the club and obviously people backed him but a lot of them were also you know skeptical that you know you can't really hand a club like barcelona to somebody who's so an inexperienced who hasn't managed at this level i mean how can you do that but because they gave, gave that opportunity to guardiola he created this dynasty you know that we know of uh, today and generations after us will know about this barcelona team so with leo i think it was that uh, you know he was he managed a lower division clubs most of the time and he could not implement his philosophy but then obviously you know if you do well in the uh, in lower leagues only then you can do well in you know the top flights so it's a very fascinating story with uh, leo yeah wow um it's very here and there story but uh, coming to the topic what really fascinates me is that uh, of course we know about formations in football and how they're deployed for different teams but we never really ask how these formations come about do we it seems that uh, 
Leo actually pioneered the 4-2-3-1 formation, which is one of the most widely used formations in modern football now, alongside your you know traditional 4-4-2s, 4-3-3s, like that legendary Barcelona team, of course. And many famous teams have used the 4-2-3-1 to great effect, uh, notably Inter Milan and Mourinho's Chelsea's. Um, both who enjoyed huge success, you know, during their times. Uh, can you tell us more about the formation and how this thing, this whole thing came about and how it's related to Leo? Yeah, I mean, I think some people say that he invented and some people say that he pioneered. So, we're yet to, you know, actually know. But I think he actually, if, if that's the right, right word, he unearthed the uh, formation. You know, he brought that formation to light and uh, with... Uh, the philosophy behind you know the 4231 formation was that uh, leo wanted um, a lot of fluidity a lot of spring in his attack you know with the 4231 formation you have a double pivot you have a uh, attacking midfielder and then you have two wingers and a, a a lone striker so with that i think he he used to say that you know um, when the ball is in midfield he wants to have as much as attackers forward so with that four uh, man you know attack force there's a lot of offensive uh, capability in in those teams and one thing which he was really uh, you know concerned about was that he wanted to cover uh, every inch of the grass like he said that i don't want to leave any land you know uh, unmanned i want all my players to cover every inch of uh, you know the pitch and the 4231 formation provides that you know you have uh, players all over the pitch you have a high pressing line you have that springy which i mentioned earlier you know uh, setup in your uh, formation which i think works to uh, as you said like it to great effect uh, you know in teams which have that uh, kind of attacking midfielder and in today's teams if you say you know i think united are an up and coming example before bruno fernandes came in they played you know kind of a 4-3-3 formation but as soon as Fernandez is coming, Ole has switched to this 4-2-3-1 formation with Fred McTominay and Fernandez, you know, uh, in front of them. And we get to see how Pogba fits into that formation. But it could, uh, you know, b- be the rise of this uh, Manchester United team. And with obviously with Chelsea, like you mentioned, that we've seen that um, uh, when Obi Mikel and Fabregas and Matic, all these players were, you know, used as a double pivot. And then you had... Oscar and Mata and uh, Hazard and Diego Costa up front. So I think uh, the 4-2-3-1 formation was very revolutionary. And with Leo, he uh, started implementing this formation very early in his career. And with UD Salamanca, which I mentioned earlier, uh, the team who uh, got promoted to La Liga, he, w- he was at that club for, I think, two years. And they rarely faced a defeat with that formation. So he really believes in that formation. I think he can be credited to, you know, actually pioneer this uh, this holy grail of uh, world football. Uh, I, I like how you said uh, any land unmanned. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, it makes sense actually to have, um, you know, one or two CDMs to cover the defence and they can drop in when the fullbacks push up the pitch. So essentially the entire field is covered. Now... Leo seems to be obsessed with reading. I've read that he has uh, some 10,000 books in his personal library and he's obsessed with gaining knowledge and imparting it. 
uh, I myself was doing some reading and I found that Leo started his uh, managerial career at 16 or 17, like you said. But that he's managed 20 clubs. And these clubs, you know, they range from Spain all the way to China. And he was even the assistant manager for the Chilean team uh, for a year. I think it was 2015 to 16, which were actually the two years uh, that Chile won the Copa America. Uh, but I think what's most interesting, and I think um, this is very interesting for our listeners to know, is that Leo almost joined the AIFF, uh, that is the All India Football Federation, as a technical director. And it was actually very close to happening. And you know, after everything that you've told me, now that I come to think of it, um, Leo's appointment could have actually brought about quite the transformation to Indian football. Why, um, why didn't that deal go through? Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's very interesting about uh, the Indian aspect. And I would also like to mention that he also, you know, uh, loves Indian philosophy. So I mean, a bibliophile like him who reads so many books, I mean, it's hard to think that he does not read Indian philosophy. because the amount of uh, you know indian philosophy there is so that is difficult and you know about gaining knowledge about gaining wisdom i think he's had lot of philosophies which you know still uh, are you know used in the current game like we see with guardiola's teams like you know uh, he he always says that i care about the journey more than the result like the result comes with the journey like you know leo in a in, in an interview he said once that you know suppose you are a, you're a spectator of the game you're watching uh, a football match would you if i gave you an option to just know the result of the game or to you know watch those 90 minutes what would you choose i mean you will obviously choose to watch that match right you want to absorb the drama that comes in you want to absorb the detail your the nuances of the game which you know excite you so leo obviously was hell bent that you know it's the game is about the journey and not the result and the result might come with it but he always cared more about the journey and which is you know probably the answer to your previous question that he failed most of his managerial stints and he did not make it big uh, you know among like suppose the top european clubs he did not uh, you know enter that fray only uh, despite being such a revolutionary so um, yeah about the aiff i think it, that's very interesting i mean uh, i was also you know um, really surprised to know that but uh, i think the deal did not go through one because leo does not speak english he still does not and he still did not then so obviously there's a huge communication gap with that and the second uh, thing was that he demanded a huge paycheck <laughs> and uh, the aiff obviously you know we we discussed in the first uh, you know episode also that the government has not shown you know a history of backing or monetary support to uh, indian football and obviously getting in you know somebody like leo would have obviously broken the bank and uh, the aiff was were not uh, prepared to do that but if you think of it uh, you know it could have actually really changed the face of indian football because i read that you know leo uh, visited india for like a couple of days and he saw the game and he was fascinated by it and one thing which you know he again uh, reiterated was that in india we play the long ball game i mean whoever has the ball he will just hoop it up to the striker that's the entire agenda of uh, playing indian football and we've seen that a lot of time which is why it is not so uh, interesting to watch also when we see it on tv we we've seen english football for so long we've seen european football so long and leo wanted 
that uh, uh, football on the ground the way it is played on the ground to be implemented in the indian uh, you know domain which i think will would have taken a lot of time but somebody like leo would have completely changed the youth systems in the country would have completely changed the way uh, you know football is played and uh, that did not go through the rest of history now you know we're, we're, it's almost going to be a decade since that interview and uh, we've made significant progress of course you know indian football but we're yet to you know really come come on our own and uh, i think somebody like leo would have you know pushed us to do that right now i do cover a lot of these uh, youth tournaments and i can say that the quality of football uh, really is improving especially at that level you know with the kids and all but it uh, definitely would have been nice to see some uh, tiki taka in the indian football team <laughs> um but you know if you look at pep and leo they seem to be very similar but very different from each other at the same time uh, you know like you said leo seems to be all about the journey but pep is out there breaking records and if push comes to shove his team will grind out result after result after result so it's going to be very interesting to see how the two play off each other that way um how do you think leo could benefit pep now you know him and pep seem to be quite the duo quite the tag team and uh, we know how much pep provides as a manager obviously but we can see that you don't necessarily need trophies to have a brilliant mind uh what could leo's appointment bring to this this city team I think Leo's appointment is more exciting than people are thinking. Arteta was obviously there, and he was a great compliment to uh, Guardiola. But uh, Leo could be an act in actual contrast, like you said, to Guardiola. He will he will go all out to question his philosophy. He will go all out to question his formations, his tactics, and he could you know probably get his own uh, you know ideas into the frame. So I think it's a very exciting uh, duo to have. and obviously pep respects him so much trusts him so much so he is not going to uh, you know not listen to him they he will have to listen to him and i think that will really change the way uh, you know uh, city play and we've not seen a lot of you know different formations at city like we just we've seen the 433 in all, all its glory uh, br- broken records it is you know one domestic uh, trebles and all of that but we haven't seen city you know play with other formations like we've seen uh, the odd three at the back formation with uh, mendy and walker as wing backs but leo could bring you know uh, different formations to city and uh, different ways of playing and we haven't seen uh, you know a 4231 at city with de bruyne at uh, you know in that cam role but i think de bruyne as he calls himself is a is more of a box to box now than you know a totally attacking player so i think it's an exciting uh, time at city and i think the entire fruition of guardiola and leo will be seen next season obviously i think guardiola did not want uh, you know leo to come in december when arteta left because it's very difficult for players to suddenly adapt to a new voice in the dressing room so i think he thought that you know i will wait for uh, leo in the summer and then i will call him on board and because he has signed uh, only a one year contract at city i think uh, you know this is the last we're going to see of guardiola and leo at city so it's going to be a very emotional very uh, you know tear jerking uh, year at city and it could also be uh, some uh, an year where uh, city go up a level also 
so yeah we're yet to see that and we're excited to see that yeah it makes sense for a city to bring him in during the lockdown as compared to december because um, i think that will be an easier transition period for him they'll it'll allow him to ease in to the squad to the team the environment much better i think that's definitely worked in their favor it's going to be interesting to see that relationship though if uh, you know if leo questions pep and how he'll deal with it and you know to basically see the balance between the two of them so we'll see what happens i'm uh, i'm looking forward to amazon prime's next uh, city documentary <laughs> and uh, this will be the next uh, spanish show i watch after money heist so yeah all right then uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this story pans out uh, we'll see what happens uh, thank you mehul as always a very interesting story about a very interesting man and we hope you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to check us out on instagram our handle is at talking barefoot and we're on apple podcasts google podcasts and basically everywhere else we'll be back soon this is the talking barefoot podcast bye for now Thank you.